0: My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here at Sound City Bible Church. If I have not had the privilege to meet you, I look forward to that day. I can meet you. Um, I want to talk to you just briefly about one of the ways that we worship, and that's through giving. We give our resources uh, to the Lord for His kingdom use, to glorify His name, to exalt His Son. And uh, this week is... uh, uh, student camp that your generous giving helps to make that possible. This past week we had a basketball camp for, for, for kids in the church and in the community. And your generosity helped make that possible. Always we have things like this happening. Missions, ministries, uh, outreaches into the community. And so thank you for being generous to the cause of the gospel of Christ. I want to remind you how you can do that today. We have a giving box right outside these doors. If you want to give in person, we have uh, a website, a giving portal set up. You can find that at scbc.do slash give. And, of course, you could text to give if you would prefer that way. I mentioned that we're going to student camp today. In just uh, about an hour, we'll start checking students in. We're taking 32 students and 11 leaders for four days of fun at Warm Beach Campground and Conference Center. So we're looking forward to that. In fact, because we're leaving in about an hour, we have a lot of people in the room that are going to camp or seeing their students, their, their kids to camp, or leaders. So if that's one of you, raise your hand. If you're a parent, student, or leader, yeah, all over the room. And surprisingly, the balcony is overrepresented. Uh, so. But we are really glad to be going to go into camp and, and want to say thank you to the church for your generosity in making that possible. But we also want to invite you to pray for us. Uh, Camp is a lot of fun. In fact, we I was telling somebody earlier, I think we over-programmed. We planned tons of games and fun activities and messy games and and water games and night games and all this fun stuff. But we also, uh, the main point of camp is to focus on our spiritual walk with Christ. And our our leaders have been planning and praying and preparing uh, lessons and writing devotions for all of this week for that purpose, and I want to share with you what our theme is so you know how to pray for us this week. Uh, as you can see by my shirt, our theme is Seeking and Finding. The Bible makes a lot of promises that if we seek the Lord, He will be there to be found. And we want to help our students prime the pump of their hearts, always be desiring to seek after the Lord. We want to give them tools and habits so they can uh, carry out in their life to help them seek the Lord. But here is kind of the inside the the heart behind the student leader's heart why why this theme what's our our goal as if you happen to grow up in church, uh, you recognize that there is a transition that has to happen from uh Owning the faith that that your parents or your grandparents or whoever, it was their faith. And you went along and you loved it. It was great. But at some point, it had to become your faith. You had to be able to stand on it. You had to own it and say, this is my faith in my Savior, Jesus the Christ. And so we're hoping that uh, for many of our students, this will be a step in that process, uh, in that journey to owning the faith for themselves. And so be praying with us this week about that. Pray for our students. Pray for our 11 adult leaders that are going. And, uh, and pray for God's will to be done. So, in fact, I'm going to invite you to pray with me right now. Our great God, we, we give you praise for this moment to gather with your people. To sing your praises your, about your majesty and your goodness and your working salvation on our behalf through Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we do pray for Camp We pray for these students that they would have an amazing time and a spiritually deep time. There will be a mile marker in their their life's journey of following Christ. We pray for the leaders that you give them all the strength, courage, energy and insight that they need to lead well and invest in students. Lord, our ultimate desire is for the glory of your name through the making of disciples and the, the showing of the love of Jesus. We pray that would come about. And we do pray on the gifts and offerings that are coming this week, as, and that they will be true expressions of worship to you, and that the church would use them well for the missions and ministries that further the name of Christ and make his disciples. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite Renee to come and read our scripture for today, and then Pastor Steve will be... Delivering the word.
1: Good morning. This is the word of God. Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. Again, you have heard it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven because it's God's throne, or by the earth because it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, because you cannot make a single hair white or black. But let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. Amen. Thanks, Renee. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I like it when you talk back to me. All right, let's talk about a couple of things before we get started. Number one, somebody said it's going to be a good idea to let Steve go to camp and hang out with a bunch of middle school kids. They do not know me very well. This is going to be dangerous. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be exciting. That's my crew up there in the balcony up there. Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, And uh, I'm going to invite you guys. I walk around a little bit too. I'm going to invite you guys to um, uh, pray for us. Uh, What Jason was saying is very, very important. Um, Having grown up in church in a pastor's house, I can tell you that one of the most um, critical moments in my life uh, was when I decided to follow Jesus because it was my idea and not because it was my dad's idea. Have you guys experienced that? A couple of you have. Some of you are still working on it. good all right let me address something else there is a rumor going around that in the first service that I preached this sermon in 12 minutes it's true I did I did it I preached it in 12 minutes Dale however told me that if I was going to keep it at 12 minutes he was going to cut my salary in half So I'm going to double it to 24. If you guys don't know, I don't get paid. I don't get paid anything. (laughs) He could double my salary. It wouldn't do any good. It wouldn't do any good. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Oh, I've got one more thing I want to say to you before we get started. When we worship, when we come in here together and we sing these songs together, and we talk about worship all the time, and a lot of times, especially in Western church culture, Worship is what um, Pete and the gang do, Uh, but worship is our lives, all of it. Uh, So it's the, and in the context of this service, it's not just the singing, Uh, it's being together in his presence, it's being together, opening his word and studying it. It's being together, listening uh, with your heart to the words that he is speaking to you, not the words that I'm speaking to you. All of that is worship. And then it's worship for us to walk outside of these doors and to live our lives uh, and to share the gospel with others and to live lives of integrity and to be truth tellers and to not be hateful and to not be angry and to not be all of those things, but to live in his kingdom as citizens of the kingdom. All of that is worship. Now, one of the cool things, and uh, I'm maybe a little wilder than uh, some of the other guys, but uh, we sang a song today, and I was going to try to remember the name of it, and I didn't remember the name of it. It's a new one that we sing, and um, it gets really high at the end. And Derek does a great job at it, and my voice goes, Eah. and so then I take it really low. Uh, but in it, he talks about um, emerald courts and sapphire skies, and how we're in the presence of God, and we we all think about that as someday, somewhen, somehow, somewhere, right? But Paul tells us that we are presently in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. And so when we gather here together and we join our hearts together and we sing his praises, we are in his presence. And so for me, the thought process of being in the presence in the throne room of God and seeing that imagery that's painted for us. Uh, Throughout scripture, specifically in the Revelation, in Isaiah and so forth, where you've got the seraphim floating around the the throne singing, worthy, 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 holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Uh, We're joining them in that when we sing his praises. And so when we come together, that's very important that we understand that. Now, that's all free of charge. All of that stuff is free. It didn't cost you any extra. It wasn't actually a part of my sermon Uh, Just something that God hit me with this morning while we were singing his praises. Um, So let's talk about Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 33 through 37. We're going to continue the teaching series here in the Sermon on the Mount. I want to remind you of exactly what Jesus is doing in this teaching. Um, You'll remember that he began the sermon telling us that he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And that's important for us to understand. So the law didn't change... So the law is still there for us, but he said, I came to be the fulfillment of that law so that you can understand it and so that you can live it as it's supposed to be lived out. He's showing us in this teaching how the religious leaders of the day, and in fact, religious leaders in our present day, have corrupted and complicated the law, and he's giving us a clear understanding of the intentions of the law. So far in the, in the sermon, we've talked about hate, lust, marital corruption, and today we're going to tackle the sin of lying. Are you excited about that? All right, let's pray together and then we'll begin our sermon. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together and to open your word and to study it. Lord, we just pray now that you would quiet our hearts and our minds and help us to focus our attention on you. And we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's a lot of stuff in here. And uh, there's a phrase where Jesus says, don't take a vow. Don't, uh, you know, all of those things. And he took them, Jesus did, and we take them all the time, and lots of people take them. And so we can ask ourselves, you know, why would he say that? What's the point of all of that? But I think that where we really need to begin is understanding what a vow is. We don't really have them in our society. What's the one place we have vows? Go. Marriage, Marriage right? The wedding vows. Those are the ones that if you said something different, I heard you. Yeah, the wedding vows, those are the ones that we think about. Those are the ones that we focus on. We say, oh, the wedding vows. We set a vow, till death do us part, in richer and in poorer, in sickness and in health, and all of those vows that we give. And those are a vow that we take before God, if you get married in a church, or before a judge, uh, if you got married at the, uh, well, I almost said justice of the peace. Would that have been very, uh, do they even call them that anymore? Is there a justice of the peace? Has there ever been a justice of the peace in Washington State? There has? I feel like I just got really old and really out of touch with the entire room. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, you went to a judge, and it probably wasn't a judge. It was probably a lady named Mary, and she's a notary, and she has a stamp. Click, next, right? Why did we get off on that? How did that happen? Vows, wedding vows. We say those wedding vows before God or before Mary, the, the clerk. My goodness. Yeah, so what is a vow? So from scripture, a vow is a promise to do something that is made before God or to God. So there's a great story in the Old Testament. I, was, I said this in the first one and I couldn't remember his name. Everybody came and told me his name after the, the sermon. So I'm going to tell you what his name is. Jephthah. There's a lot of extra vowel, uh, consonants in that word, Jephthah. So he was a general and he was going to go up against the armies. And he said to God, uh, If you'll give me the victory, the first thing that comes out of my house, I will sacrifice as a burnt offering to you. Do you guys remember this story? Do you guys remember what happened? Yeah, he won the battle and he got home. And what was the first thing that came out of his house? His daughter. Got to be careful with those vows that we make, right? Got to be careful with what we're talking about. A promise to do something that is made before God or to God. Uh, There's a a comedic book that's out. It's been out for a really long time. Uh, And uh, it's called There's No Atheists in Foxholes. Have You guys ever heard of this book? Some of you? The point of it is really true. You know, once the shells start falling and the bullets start flying, everybody's praying to somebody, Right? And so a lot of the things that we say in those instances of of, uh, dire straits, or maybe it's not even a a foxhole. uh, Prayerfully, you don't have to go through any of those kinds of things, uh, but maybe it's something uh, different, you know, maybe a medical um, diagnosis or some other problem, and we begin to start making promises uh, before God and to God. Hey, if you can get me through this, I will do that. Hey, if you can make this pass, I will do these things. And uh, I've just given you some very serious instances where we're talking about health or life and death. But you know, sometimes we do those on very frivolous things as well. I remember when I was in Bible college, um, uh, which I, w- I went to a, a Christian school, obviously, or it wouldn't have been a Bible college. <laughs> I mean, you never know, I guess. But we, our professors prayed for us uh, before class every time, which was really pretty cool. And then sometimes they would let us pray, especially before test time. And there was this one guy and he used to pray, uh, God, uh, bring to our remembrance the things that we studied and the things that we didn't study. (laughs) And I was always so appreciative of that prayer. Yes, pray that one more because I didn't study. Yes, pray. I want immaculate uh, revelation to come to me so that I can pass this test. Uh, the point of all of that is, is that sometimes even in very simple straits, I mean, it, literally tests are not life and death. Sometimes they can feel like it, right? Students up, stop. They all just went, what? Oh, now I'm going to be talking to you the whole time. So pay attention. Yeah. Sometimes we take those things and, and even simple things and we think, oh, this is life threatening and I need to make a vow to God for this. But really it's very simple, and so we can throw these things out very easily. So we need to understand what a vow is. And we don't really have them that often in, our, in the context of uh, our society today, not to the seriousness that they had in the first century and that the Pharisees created all of the rules and regulations, uh, and we'll talk about that here in a few minutes. But to understand those things, uh, we understand that we do those very simply also uh, when we take a vow. So the, the next thing I say here about vows is uh, it's not a light Thing. It's not a light matter taking a vow, uh, and sometimes we uh, do so very, very easily. There's uh, some phrases that we had down in the South. Some of you may have heard them. Uh, I swear to goodness. Have you ever heard that one? Anybody ever heard that one? I swear to goodness. You wait until your father gets home, right? Uh, there's other ways to use that. I swear to goodness. It's all over the place, right? But we take we say things that are just really flippantly all the time, and we throw these out, these vows that we're making, and it's really flippant, and it can be reckless, and we'll talk about that more in a a minute. But these are this is what a vow is. So when Jesus is talking about these things, this is what he's talking about. Here's what Deuteronomy says about taking a vow. Fear the Lord your God, worship him, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods the gods of the people around you for the lord your god who is among you is a jealous god now in the context of this what you need to understand about vows is that taking a vow from the context of scripture what the pharisees and the sadducees and all of the rulers of the law that had been uh, nailing down all of the idiosyncrasies of every little bit, they understood this one basic principle that these vows come from this one part. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's the essence of it. And so when the, they were taking a vow and vowing a vow before God or to God, they were doing so in his name specifically because he said... Thou shalt have no other gods before me. When we take these vows, when they were taking vows, the idea behind it, again, is that it's no other gods, right? So I'm going to take a vow by my God, not by somebody else's God who has no power and who has no authority. The other thing about taking this vow and talking about it in this context is is that we're uh, essentially bringing a curse upon ourselves by the authority of someone who is higher than us. Do you understand that? So if I said, I promise you that I will do X, Y, and Z, and I say so before God himself. Now, the, 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 uh, that English word just left me. The idea behind that is that if I don't do X, Y, and Z, that God will somehow punish me for that. Do you follow that? That's the vow that we're making. That's the vow that we're taking. So another place where vows are uh, prevalent here in our culture uh, is in the courtroom. Right? Uh, Are there lawyers in the room now? There's one right there? Okay. I love lawyers. (laughs) They're my favorite people. I really do. I do love lawyers. (laughs) I'm I'm preaching a sermon about lying. I can't... (laughs) the point of uh, (laughs) the point is is that when we go into the court of law right and we are going to swear in to be a witness we put our hands on the Bible do they still put hands on the Bible and you promise to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help you God at least that's what they did on Perry Mason is that the words they say? No? Yeah? She doesn't know. I'm asking the lawyer in the room. She's like, I don't know. The point of all that is that those are places where we take these vows. Where was I going with this? I got stumped by the fact that there was an actual lawyer in the room. I wasn't expecting it. Uh, yeah. We take vows. That's what we do. There was a really good reason for me going to the courtroom, and I've lost it now completely. It's a good one. What did I say? Somebody remind me. What? Lies. Yes, that happens in courtrooms a lot. Yeah, that's called perjury, and there's fines and jail time for that. Is it okay to take that oath? Yeah, as long as you're going to tell the truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you God. Yeah, uh, all of those kinds of things. I don't know where I was going with that. Let me ring it back in. Jesus here is going to be, I don't know what I'm doing right now. I'm telling you the truth. We're talking about what a vow is. That's where we're at. It's not a light matter. Maybe that's where I was going with this. It's not a light matter. This is something that's serious and you need to take them seriously when you do so. When you take those wedding vows, those wedding vows are serious. Now, I don't know about you, but I said those words Uh, And I was very, very young. I was 20 years old. And we were over at uh, MJ, who I am still married to, uh, who's sitting in the room with us now. We were over at um, Bible Baptist Church on Casino Road. You guys know the place? You should go down to Casino Road every once in a while. There's a couple of good grocery stores down there. They sell carne asada and stuff. So good. Good. So we're there, and we said those vows, and I took those vows very seriously. I was actually very nervous, like, ooh, this is for real. I, I'm taking a vow. And I took those vows very seriously. Now, maybe uh, in our culture today, they go, oh, that's very quaint, or that's very cute, I'm, you know, that's whatever, because the marriage vows, as we learned last week here in our, in our society and throughout the world at large, are really taken very flippantly, and we can turn them over just like that. Right, That's a whole other sermon. You heard it last week if you were here. But vows are serious, and we need to consider them that way. So the next question is, what is Jesus Jesus confronting here? So there's a culture in the day, um, and this is where my... uh, my difficulty with lawyers lies there's a, there was a culture in the day that the, the pharisees had written all of these tiny minutiae rules and regulations about every little thing and they looked at every single word and they looked for every loophole that they could find in the law to try to build it to their advantage and so what they were doing here uh, let me read a verse to you and then we'll we'll talk about these things So from Matthew chapter 23, Jesus is addressing these Pharisees, and he says this, Woe to you blind guides who say, Whoever takes an oath by the temple, it means nothing. But whoever takes an oath by the gold of the temple is bound by his oath. Blind fools. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? And so what they've decided to do, is they made these tiny rules and minutiae and they figured out loopholes on how they can get away with stuff. And so there's no intention in their hearts or in their minds to actually live up to the oaths that they are giving Because they've decided instead of making our oath to God, which is what he told them to do in Deuteronomy, they said, we're going to make our oath to something less than that. We'll make an oath to heaven, or we'll make an oath to the temple, or we'll make an oath to the earth, or we'll take an oath to the hair on my head, or we'll take an oath to the gold that was used in the temple. Jesus is coming back to them here in chapter 23, and he's saying, dummies, it's the same thing. The gold and the temple, those are just his place. It's still his. He still owns it. The earth is his. You don't have any power or authority over your own hair. How many of us can attest to that? Some of it has disappeared on some of you. I won't name names. Some of you, it's gone gray. Some of you, it's just unruly. You don't have any control over those things. And Jesus is telling him, so even when you're making this vow, you think that you're making it to something less, and so you can get away with not following after it. He said, but you're wrong, because ultimately, even if you're making it to these subjugated things, ultimately, you're making it to God, and therefore, you're still held to that high standard, right? So here's the two things that he's confronting. The first one is purposeful dishonesty when they entered into these oaths and, and vowed on the earth or on the temple or on the gold in the temple, they did so fully knowing that they had no intention of following through with those things. They vowed that vow for their own sake and for their own uh, ideologies. There's a, This could get really tricky. I could really park here and spend uh, probably a good 20 minutes just on the the intricacies of lying and how it happens. I won't stand here and talk to you about those of you that walk into stores, and perhaps there's a lie that's happening there. I won't stand here and talk to you about how easy it is to just say, I'm fine, when you're not. Because the last thing that we want to do is spend all day. I'm, listen, I'm telling you, I'm just being honest with you now. When, when somebody comes to you and they say, how are you doing? 99.9% of the time, they do not care. It is a colloquial greeting. All I'm really saying is, hello. And so you're not obligated to tell me exactly how you're doing anytime I say that I'm fine. But if I'm going to be honest and you ask me a question, how are you doing, and I'm not fine, you and I may be spending the next 45 minutes talking about all of my woes. (laughs) Right? All of these little things that we do, it's so easy to just flip the truth on its head and to make it so simple and to make it about uh, something that makes it easy for me to do, something easy for me to be a part of. Secondly, reckless promises. Reckless promises. One of the things about these reckless promises, and I I mentioned Jephthah, that's a a huge, ginormous example of what not to do with a reckless promise. But even in our own lives, um, it's so easy to just make promises to people and then not carry through with those and then not give it a second thought. And we've got to be careful of that because if we're going to live as citizens of the kingdom, then we've got to live a life of integrity and a life of honesty. So let's not be reckless with our promises. Let's not make promises. We used to have a, uh, there's a phrase, I don't know if this came from a movie, I don't know where this came from, but don't write a check that your body can't cash. <laughs> Has anybody ever heard that one? Sam heard it. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I think it's from a movie, but I can't remember where it's from. But that's what I'm talking about. Don't make a reckless promise that you can't uh, take care of, that you can't do, that you can't carry on, that you can't be a part of. Right? So be careful of those reckless promises. All right. Here's the third thing. How does this impact me? So I said two things. One, be aware of your reckless promises. I kind of just spent some, a little bit of time on that. Don't be flippant with your promises. Don't be cavalier with these things that you're saying. And then be honest in all of your dealings. Let me teach you something that I taught my kids. Um, So I grew up in a pastor's house. Most of you know that. If you don't, I I did. So I've been in church uh, since I was in utero. And it was commonplace... For, an, for the church to set an expectation for the pastor's kids. And that expectation was high, uh, probably higher than I would like for it to have been. And uh, so in that, there was a, uh, an idea that I was going to behave better than all the other kids in church. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't good. I almost set the bus barn on fire one time. Do you guys even know what a bus barn is for a church? Everybody's like, what? We used to have a bus ministry, and we had a barn out back, and that's where the guys worked on the barns, and there was some carpet cleaner, and I set it on fire one time, and it was spectacular. So I was just visualizing there for a minute. There was an expectation that we were going to behave a certain way, and that we were going to do the things that we were supposed to do, and In that expectation was, if we need something done, especially as I got a little older, if we need something done, if we need somebody to drive something somewhere, we need somebody to pick something up, we need somebody to do something, we need somebody to fill in on this ministry, we need somebody that can teach this Sunday school class, we need somebody that can mow the lawn, we need somebody that can paint the walls, we need somebody that can do these things. An easy group of people to go to were the pastor's kids because they're going to say yes. They're going to say yes because... Uh, you know, my, my uh, expectation is here. This is what everybody expects of me. And so we, I did a lot of yes saying a lot of times. It took me a very long time before I realized that it was okay for me to say no. No, I can't do that. No, I don't have the uh, bandwidth for that. No, I don't have the time for that. No, I don't have the expertise for that. It took me a long time. So I taught my kids that it's okay to say No. It's okay to say no. Sometimes people are going to ask you to do something, uh, and it's okay for you to say, you know what? I can't do that. It's okay for you to say no. Now, if I ask you to do something, it is not okay for you to say no. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You can say no to me, mostly. Sometimes. Nah, never mind. Yeah, it's okay to say no. So this very last line that Jesus gives us in this passage is the key to the whole thing. He says, let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no, and anything more than this is from the evil one. You see, what he's getting down to is just like he has over the past few weeks in the, of the lesson that we've been studying, he's getting down to the heart of the matter, Where you're taking the vow and where you're making the vow and who you're placing that on, whether it's the temple or the gold in it or the heaven or the earth or all of these things, it's irrelevant. The point is, is that in the heart of the matter, my yes needs to be yes and my no needs to be no. So here's the big idea. The big idea is kingdom citizens live a life of honesty. Now, I like practical stuff. Do you like practical stuff? It's easy for me to say, live a life of honesty. Because the way I would say that is, stop telling lies. Just stop it. Right? But you know as well as I know that it's not always that easy to just stop it. And to just do what we're supposed to do. Does anybody else struggle with things that they're not doing the things that they're supposed to do? Or am I the only one? Anybody? You can raise your hand. I wrote all of your names down. We'll be in conference later. We're all that way. Every single one of us is that way. 100% of us struggle with doing what we're supposed to do every single time. Here's the coolest thing about Christianity. I know that I can't do these things in my own power. You know who else knows it? God. So you know what he does? He gives us the Holy Spirit and the work of Christ that works in us the sanctification of our lives so that we become more like him. Because I don't have the power to do it, he's going to do it. Because it's not about me, it's all about him. And everything that we've talked about today and everything that we've looked at and everything that we focused our attention on is about Jesus. It's the whole reason we're here. He is the one that has made everything that we've talked about today possible. You can never be a person of integrity and live in complete honesty outside of the work of Christ in you. Here in a moment, we're going to celebrate the Lord's table. It's a great opportunity for us to recognize what God has done for us. And if we're going to live in the kingdom, let's live in the kingdom like God wants us to. And let's be tellers of truth. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we've had to come together and to worship you. To sing your praises, to study your word. Lord, we just pray that you would help us to always be speakers of truth, that as we speak truth, that through us people might see you and come to know you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, we ask that you bless the remainder of our time together, and we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen.